What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the whole nine draft podcast. I am your host, Josh Berg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode two. I really do appreciate the support I have gotten and received on episode one. It's been absolutely insane. The amount of support I've gotten from various tweets and, uh, you know, comments I've gotten and text messages from all my friends and family and everyone else that has seen the show. So I do appreciate you guys checking in. We've got a great show coming up for you guys uh, today. This is going to be a little bit of a late recording. I, normally I like to record Monday morning afternoon-ish uh, after I get home from class before I go to work. That way it gives the best time for me to upload. But today, uh, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you guys will know. I... Uh, came home and my dad was setting up Christmas stuff in the house so we were unable to record because you know we had music in the background I was helping him out with a bunch of stuff so didn't get to do that I'm finally home settled everyone's kind of settled down a little bit quiet so I'll get a chance to record but we've got a really great show for you guys today introducing a couple new segments and um going over my first top 10 big board but before I get into everything I want to let you guys know about some things that you guys can be looking out for on Whole9Sports.com. Obviously, every week we have a set schedule. We have prospects I love come out, mock drafts, scouting reports, all these great articles by these people. I do hope you guys do check out every single one of these pieces because I'm super proud of the way that this website and this company's come together. Brandon Olson got signed uh, with Fansided to be a part of the New York G-Men on the Giants Fansided uh kind of accounts who's going to be covering the Giants for them. So congratulations to Brandon. He's the reason I wholly was able to give this opportunity, so I really do appreciate everything he's done, and I hope that he can uh, really succeed in this role. He's a big Giants fan and, uh, you know, happy that he can get to do what he loves for his favorite team. So that is announcement number one. Announcement number two is I've got a couple different articles coming out in the next couple weeks. I'm finishing up some scouting reports currently working on Derek Brown and Henry Ruggs, so you guys are going to see those coming out hopefully within the week, if not for sure next week, and also I'm going to have a prospect I love article coming out, so those are a couple things you guys can be looking out for. I'm also working on scouting Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson and Colorado wide receiver Lavisca Schindel. You guys will not see those reports online, but I will be talking about those guys in depth once we get close to the draft and we go to the wide receiver show, but... Those were a couple of announcements. Again, I want to thank you guys all for the support. Follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611. Follow the show at WNDraftPod on Twitter as well. Go ahead and give Whole9 Sports a follow on Twitter. You know, I'll have all that stuff linked in the description and in the uh, details box so you guys can go ahead and check those out. But I wanted to begin today with a new segment I want to call Draft Flashbacks. And this is really going to be talking about a bunch of different stuff. Probably going to have one of these a month. Going over different scenarios that happened that teams are going to look on in a positive way or a negative way. And because it's been in the news lately a lot about this particular player and the way his team is performing and how he is performing individually, I felt like there was not a better opportunity to go over draft flashbacks and what could have been with the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky. Now, for those of you guys that don't know, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I went to the Vikings-Chiefs game on Sunday, me being living in Missouri. It was only a couple-hour drive, and a really fun game to watch. Really bad performance by Minnesota, and we only lost by three. So, hey, I'll take it as it will. It was heartbreaking to be there, but the Vikings fans were in force. It was about 50-50 Vikings and Chiefs fans there, so it was really cool. With that being said, I uh, in 2017, when Mitchell Trubisky was drafted, I was not high in the sky at all. I, w- I wasn't. I did not like him. I have this thing for guys that only start one year in college. I don't like them. If you look back at the quarterbacks that I have liked that have graded heavily, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Pat Mahomes, they're guys that started for multiple years in college or have something special. Deshaun Watson, and this year it's Justin Herbert, although I do love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's like my one exception this year, but Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, two, three, four-year starters, proven. Those are the type of guys I like. I'm not big into these upside guys. I really haven't. I was not a Josh Allen fan. I was not a Baker Mayfield fan. I was not a Jordan Love fan this year, just how I am. So Mitchell Trubisky, I was already on the rocky side for him. Chicago Bears, 
traded up from three to number two with San Francisco 49ers, giving up a couple extra picks in the deal as well. To select Mitchell Trubisky. Now, we all thought it was to trade up for Solomon Thomas. When they traded it from three to two, like, okay, they're going to take Solomon Thomas. They wanted to get another uh, pass rusher opposite of Leonard Floyd. They're going to be good to go. They don't do that. They end up taking Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback out of North Carolina. And this is instantly a head-scratcher. Not, not only when you look at who was taken after him, the players, and we'll go over that, but it was this system taking a chance on a quarterback that none of us really knew before. And he really started the trend of meteoric rise of quarterbacks. After Trubisky was taken, we had you know Daniel Jones and Josh Allen, guys that had one, two years starts. Carson Wentz went the year before him, so I guess Wentz really was a trend center there too. But these guys that rise because of these one or two year performances, they show up out of nowhere and the media falls in love with them and they, they rise, obviously. I was a big Wentz guy. With that being said, Trubisky, again, different kind of animal. He he rose out of nowhere during the process. And we're three years in. We are 33 starts in to the Trubisky era in Chicago. And these are his numbers. He is 18 and 13, excuse me, 18 and 15 as a starter. With 12 of those wins coming last season with a number one defense. You take that season away. You take his his best season now, which I don't judge quarterbacks based on their best year. I judge them on their worst year. What are you at your worst? How good truly are you? Which might sound really weird, but to me, when I evaluate the quarterbacks, it's not, okay, can you beat... Appalachian State, I guess that's a bad example now because they're ranked Alabama A&M by 50. It's, can you beat LSU? How do you perform against LSU? How do you perform against Bama, Oklahoma, Oregon? It's these tough contests that I judge. So, Trubisky, I don't want to judge him on his 12-4 and four year. I want to judge you. How were you performing when you were bad? When you were at your worst? You take away his 12-4 and four season last year. He is 6 and 11 as a starter. 6 and 11. 36 touchdowns, 22 interceptions, which doesn't sound that bad until you realize six of those touchdowns came in one game last year. So you take the one game out, 30 and 22. He has 6,633 yards in two and a half years. Not too bad, except when you break that down by game. That's 201 yards a game. 201 yards a game. There are quarterbacks in the NFL today that are throwing for 201 and a half. 201 a game. And, you know, everyone thought the trajectory was going up for Trubisky. Um, You know, after last year. And then this year, you look at him. Five touchdowns, three interceptions in seven games. The team is three and four. And you can't blame it on his weapons. Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery. Trey Burton, Anthony Miller, Adam Shaheen, they've invested high free agent capital and high draft pick capital into protecting and giving the guy weapons. Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, two second-round picks at the offensive line position. Obviously, the tackles have not been good, but you can't say that the Bears aren't trying. They are giving this guy pieces to work with, and he just can't deliver it. He cannot stand in the pocket and throw an accurate football down the field. He just can't do it. This year he's averaging 5.6 yards an attempt and 173 yards a game. Awful. So obviously Chicago Bears should know they messed up, right? But what's interesting here is we're not judging them based on that they messed up and they took a guy that's Trubisky. We're measuring them against the other quarterbacks, the other players. Say the Bears stayed at three. Here are just a few guys that were on the board. Deshaun Watson, MVP candidate. Jamal Adams, All-Pro. Solomon Thomas, when they picked that two, he was there. He's finally turned the corner and is now part of the best defensive front in football. Patrick Mahomes, MVP. Those are just a few of the names that were on the board that they could have gone with. 
And it was Mitch Trubisky. You know, we always talk about draft busts in history. Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell. Mitchell Trubisky very well could end up being close to top on this list. And the Bears, the Bears, and the Bears are trying so hard to stick with the guy because they don't want to admit to be wrong. Ryan Pace, it was his hand-picked guy. It's just not going to happen for Chicago. If Chicago wants to truly be competitive, they want to get back to this team, like... I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and my favorite quote was Colin Cowherd, who constantly talks about quarterback play. This team is too good to be wasted by a bad quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky's got to go. You've got a top five defense. You've got one of the best um, skill position groups in the league. I mean, you've got two really good running backs that are both good at running the ball in space and catching the ball. You've got a legit wide runner. Wide receiver one, Allen Robinson. Got a top 10, top 12 tight end in Trey Burton. You've got legitimate weapons that have incredible speed in Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel on the outside. You've got really good interior offensive line play with two really young guys that are going to be there for 10 years. And you've got a top three defense. I mean, the pass rush is absolutely insane. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson. This team is absolutely stacked with talent. It is too good to be wasted. By Mitchell Trubisky's bad play, this team should not be a three and five football team. You plug any other quarterback in this team, this team's a six and two, seven and one team. That's how good this team is. And I hate admitting it because I'm a Vikings fan, but it's true. It really is. So on episode one of the first segment of draft flashbacks, Chicago Bears messed messed up pretty bad. What can they do to fix it? You guys are gonna have to find out for when we rebuild the Bears next week on whole nine rebuilds but that brings me to my next segment here which is whole nine rebuilds and i closed the show with this last week we're going to kind of open it up a little bit here this week talking about the new york jets who are the biggest dumpster fire in the national football league now if you guys were living under a rock this weekend or couldn't uh couldn't watch any football because you were too busy watching the grandkids or you know you had to take the kids to the mall or you were doing chores around the house like mowing the lawn, putting Christmas lights up on the roof because it was, you know, first week of November. People do that. Or you were cooking or you had to go to a play or movie or whatever. You had to go on a date, whatever, whatever it was. The New York Jets lost to a tanking Miami Dolphins team. Let that sink in. The, the New York Jets, who are, have really good young pieces across the board on offense and defense. Darnold, Bell, Adams. They, they lost to a team that is trying to lose on purpose, Miami Dolphins. Now, I will say this about the Miami Dolphins. Brian Flores is going to be one heck of a coach for these guys. He is, no matter how bad this team is, and no matter how many players they've traded away, whether it was Ryan Tannehill, let him go. Kenyon Drake, trade him. Larry Tunsil, trade him. Kenny Stills, trade him. This team is fighting hard. Megan Fitzpatrick, gone. This team is fighting hard for Brian Flores, and you could see that on Sunday when they actually went out there and won. Now, does this say more about the Dolphins or the Jets? Well, it says more about the Jets, obviously. The Dolphins, we know what they're doing. They're going to win one two games this year. They're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, and they'll be on their way with a good head coach in Brian Flores, who the team seems to rally around behind this guy. This is more about the Jets. So we're going to rebuild the Jets, who are now sitting at 1-8, and eight, I believe 1-7 and eight, one and seven or 1-8. and eight can't quite remember. I don't have the stats right in front of me. I'll pull them up. But this team hired an offensive genius, supposedly, and Adam Gase, who hasn't been good since Peyton Manning was his quarterback. And that, that made him a genius, that he, he could make Peyton Manning insane. The Jets are 1-7. Make Peyton Manning good at football. That's why that's what Adam Gase got hired for. And I'll, I'll be first to admit, I will be first to admit it. When Adam Gase was hired, I'm like, yes, Sam Donald's going to grow. He's going to be he's going to be incredible. It's going to be the growth of the, you know, year one to year two. Sky's the limit for this guy. Sam Donald's gotten worse. Sam Donald, the consensus QB1 for 95% of scouts that do the draft at least know what they're talking about from an intangible and skill set standpoint. Sam Donald was the QB1 in the 2018 draft. He's gotten worse. 
And that's with the addition of Le'Veon Bell. And that's with the additions of Jamison Crowder. That's with this supposedly head coach, offensive genius in Adam Gase. He's gotten worse. So, hole nine, rebuild the New York Jets. Step one, fire Adam Gase. Get rid of him right now. There are three head coaches that should be fired at the midway point. That's Dan Quinn, Adam Gase, Freddie Kitchens. All should be gone. We're talking about the Jets. Adam Gase should be gone. This is an abysmal start. The This franchise is completely upside down. They hired the head coach before the GM. They hired a head coach for their quarterback, and their quarterback got worse. They prioritized getting skill position players over solidifying the offensive line. And they spent all this money on free agency that hasn't worked out because of injury, which they can't exactly control, but it hasn't. Avery Williamson, CJ Mosley, hurt. And they pissed off their best player in Jamal Adams. You put all of that together in a bowl, and you've got a shit sandwich with the New York Jets. That's what you got. That That's what it is. Step one at Fire Adam Gase. You need to bring in someone that can contain the multiple personalities, that can grow your own quarterback. I'm thinking Kevin O'Connell from Washington would be a good fit here. Offensive genius. Great. Great choice there. If not, Kevin Stefanski, Minnesota Vikings. You need to find someone that will actually support Darnold and give him good coaching. You look at the head coach. See, everyone's talking bad about Sam Darnold. You look at the coaches he's had in his career. Clay Helton, Todd Bowles, and Adam Gase. I'm sorry. You talk about Josh Rosen being set up to fail by being traded from Arizona to Miami and now being benched in Miami and not being able to grow. Sam Darnold. I, if I was Sam Darnold, I'd rather be Josh Rosen at this point because everyone feels bad for Josh Rosen. When the same things happen to Darnold as it has to Rosen. Bad coaching, bad circumstance, bad team environment. It's just all happened with the same team with multiple coaches for Sam. Well, with Josh, has been in two different places. So that's step number one. Fire Adam Gates. You got to get somebody in there to control the locker room, to be able to grow and develop the young pieces on this team. This team does not draft bad. It doesn't. It's not. A, it is not a bad drafting football team. They got Quentin Williams at pick three. Jamal Adams pick six. You were able to bring in Kalichi Assembly. Obviously, you pissed him off because your shoulder, because his shoulder got hurt. You wouldn't let him get the surgery, so he's gone now. But you, the Jets, do not have a problem with bringing in talent. They have a problem with developing it. Adam Gase can't develop. Fire. That's phase one. Phase two. I talked about this last week. There are three ways to support a young, developing quarterback. Number one. Get an established running game to take pressure off the quarterback. Le'Veon Bell is a pretty good running back. At least I would think. I don't know if anyone knows who this guy is, but I think he's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty. He's consensus top five, top seven running back in football. He's pretty good. Okay, so that box is checked. Number two, get a young athletic defense with playmakers to prevent and or score points. Quinn Williams, level one defensive line young athletic playmaker middle linebackers cj mosley's pretty good when he comes back check back end marcus may jamal adams i think you got playmakers at safety check so defense that can prevent points can develop and score points you have that with the jets if you put it all t- if you if all these pieces can actually be on the field because remember cj mosley got hurt quinn williams wasn't playing if I remember correctly, Quinn Williams was sitting out a game or two in the regular season because he because he had an illness or was hurt or something. And then CJ Mosley goes down, Quinn comes back in, and then Jamal Adams is now pissed off, so he's, you know, having his issue right there. But step number three, anyways. Getting on a tangent here with the New York Jets. Step number three. Get a stabilized offensive line to prevent the defense from getting to the quarterback. That's the box the Jets need to check. You look at this offensive line, it is atrocious. Atrocious. It's horrible. So step number two is draft Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs. The Jets are going to have a top five pick. It's just it's how it's going to go. They're going to have a top five pick. Depending on where they are, 
The pro- if the Jets finish behind the Bengals and Dolphins, I would assume Chase Young would be their selection. I, w- I would assume. But if they finish behind Washington, I don't think Washington is going to pass on Chase Young. So you're going to be looking at pick four. Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs. I would take Andrew Thomas because he's bigger, stronger. He's more of a mauler. He'd be more dominant presence. He'd be my pick because you'd get a solidified left tackle for your young quarterback that can now give him space to go through his reads. We talked about this with Haskins. Same thing applies with Darnold. No matter how uh, much Darnold is better skill-wise, athletic-wise, intangible-wise, he's still he still needs time to throw the football and go through his reads. Give him a left tackle. You can do that. Number three, you need to go ahead and get him a number one wide receiver. I don't care how you do it. You can go to free agency and find someone there. You can go to this draft class. There are an insane amount of... Excuse me. (laughs) I hate being that unprofessional, but it's been a long day. There is an insane amount of wide receivers in this draft class. Jerry Judy, LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rieger, Tyler Johnson. Do I need to continue? I didn't think so. There, to put it this way, there are big boards out there that have 20 wide receivers inside the top 100. 20. I have two inside my top 10 on my rough big board release that we're going to go over in a little bit. Two of them inside the top 10. It's unheard of. So this this place is a great place to develop and draft wide receiver. You can move Robbie Anderson to his natural deep threat outside. You can move Jamison Crowder into that slot role. And you can get yourself a legit number one receiver that can do multitude of different things. Obviously, if you draft Andrew Thomas, you're not going to be able to get Jerry Judy. So that kind of limits that. But LaVisca Chenault, Tyler Johnson in round two. Whew. Boom. Jets, dynamic playmakers on the outside for Darnold, a run game for Darnold with Lev Bell, and a franchise left tackle. Boom. Book it. Darnold is now in a good place to succeed. Step uh, four. So you fired Adam Gase. You drafted an offensive lineman. You found yourself a wide receiver. I mean, for agency class, like I said, for agency class receiver is not bad either. A.J. Green, Manuel Sanders... Amari Cooper still hasn't been signed yet, as far as I'm not, unless he just signed just now. I have no idea, but he hasn't been signed yet. Um, Devontae Parker, I still think he's got some in the tank. So, I mean, clearly there's some pieces here in free agency that you can go out and get to get him another weapon. Step four, find an elite corner. This is where I would go to free agency for. I would draft a receiver round two because of how deep this receiver class is, and I would find a corner in free agency. Few names that are on the board here, and I know spending big time free agent money on corners hasn't worked for them in the past. Tremaine Johnson was a disaster, but he never should have gotten the seventy to eighty mil that he got ever. These guys, you, you could pay a little bit to be a corner. Chris Harris. This defense is built with young playmakers, but it's got its savvy veterans in it. C.J. Mosley's there. Plug in Chris Harris, cornerback one. I like that. Akeem to leave another one. Plug him in. Instant quarterback one can develop your young guys, make them better, and can still take away opponent's number one receiver. If you don't want to go that route, if you want to go younger, Logan Ryan, Bradley Roby, also free agents. you got to sign one of these guys. you got to sign a corner or two in free agency because this cornerback class is not good. I'm, I'm going to put a blank. After, after the top four of the corners, it's not good. After Akuda, Diggs, Adebo, Fulton, and debatingly C.J. Henderson, I don't like this class in round one. Now, the depth in round two, round three, round four, very nice. like some guys there, but Bryce Hall, one of my favorite prospects in the draft. Bryce Hall, love him. But if you're the Jets, cornerback would be your best bet for for free agency. So that's how I'd rebuild him, step four. And finally, the fifth, and this is the most important step, okay? Listen, you, you might miss out on the left tackle. You might decide to go with Adam Gates. Okay, the, this is I lied. I lied. This is this this is the second most important behind firing Adam Gase. Adam Gase has got to go, but you might not get your left tackle. Maybe you went with a 
uh, maybe Chase Young was there and you just couldn't pass up Chase Young. I get that. Couldn't get a top-end receiver because they all fell on the board before you could get to them. I get that. The cornerbacks, they all wanted to go somewhere else. Okay, I understand that. But this part, this is the only other thing you can control. Do not trade Jamal Adams. Don't do it. It is very rare nowadays in this day day and age NFL where you find an elite young playmaking safety. And that sounds really weird, especially because we've seen Bayard and Fitzpatrick and Derwin. Outside of those top three, can you name any other safeties that make an impact that are as young as those guys are? Yeah, the rest, you, you can't. The rest of these safeties that are playmaking guys are veterans. Earl Thomas, Harrison Smith, Eric Berry when he played. Landon Collins is performing pretty bad now. So it is very rare to find ball-hawking young playmaking safeties, especially someone that could be a captain of your defense, which not many can do. And that can be used in as many ways as Jamal Adams can. Do not trade him. He's the captain. He's your number one best player, number one best asset. I don't care how many draft picks are offered. Unless anyone, unless the Miami Dolphins come calling and offer you all three of their first round picks, I am not t- touching Jamal Adams. He's untouchable. He's a building block. That's how I would rebuild the New York Jets. Because the problem is not Jamal Adams. The problem is Adam Gase. Ineffectiveness of developing the quarterback and offensive play calling and the lack of protection around the said quarterback. That is how I rebuild the New York Jets. They, unlike the Bengals, unlike the Dolphins, unlike the Redskins, or even Atlanta, they do not have a multi-year rebuild ahead. The Jets can fix this thing next year. That's how good this roster should be. Just like the Bears. Boom, you fix your one thing, and they're playoff contenders. Bears get rid of Trubisky, playoff contender. Jets get rid of Gase, plug in a left tackle, playoff contenders. That is how I would rebuild the New York Jets. And like I said, I even, I even had it on here. Your three goals to succeed. Protect Sam Darnold. Give Sam Darnold a weapon and secure a lockdown corner. I mean, it might, it seems a lot more simpler when I say it in those types of terms. But that's, that's, and I don't mean to make it sound like, oh yeah, I'm a genius here, but it's not easy building a team. But when you have a team that's this good already, this amount of young talent on this team, you need to go balls to the wall and find these pieces that fit. Plain and simple. It's plain and simple. Moving on here to this week's perfect fits. I hope you guys like that rant, by the way. Really do. You know, the, I'm passionate about the Jets, not because I like the Jets, but because I love Sam Darnold. Darnold was really the he was the best quarterback prospect I had seen since Andrew Luck. Obviously, Luck is really everyone's true love story. But Sam Darnold was my really true love story. It was really not necessarily the first prospect I've scouted because I've been scouting since I was like eight, nine years old. But out of full-fledged reports, having a template, been following different scouts, he's the first guy I watched all of his games. I watched, broke down all of his film and everything. So he's and he, I loved it. It'd be different if he was the first guy I watched and I hated it, but I absolutely loved what I saw. So I'm a little bit uh, passionate when it comes to Sam Darnold because he really was my first real big-time guy that I stamped on and said this guy's going to be a star. He hasn't been that way, so. That's how I'd rebuild the Jets. Moving on to this week's perfect fits. If you guys missed last week's, we talked about Isaiah Simmons. You guys can go check out my Isaiah Simmons report on whole9sports.com. Along with my uh, Trayvon Diggs and Joe Burrow reports. We'll have a couple more reports up there this week, hopefully. But today we're talking about a guy that I talked about a little bit last week. And came into the draft as a top five contestants player. And his play has kind of tailed off just a little bit. Grant Delpit, and the perfect fit that I talk that I talk about is actually related to the Jamal Adams guy. It's the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have been in the market for playmaking safety for the last couple months, and they contacted the Jamal Adams holding New York Jets and see what they wanted for Jamal Adams. And obviously, a deal wasn't done. They're going to revisit in the offseason. If I'm the Jets, don't do it. Just don't do it. Just It makes zero sense to do. Okay, make something. If you can get three first-round picks or two first-round picks, and I mean, if you can get a good haul for him, and I understand taking the call. 
That being said, Dallas Cowboys, Grant Delpit. It's the perfect fit, in my opinion. That's why it's called the perfect fit segment of the week. Boom. Right? That's like your little, right there, it's supposed to be like your little, like, like, you know, when someone says, whatever. Whatever. You guys, you guys can't see my reaction right now, but my face looks really weird. And me trying to, like, pretend to do the drum thing. Yeah, it wasn't good. Anyway. Gotta have some personality on the show for sure. And the Dallas Cowboys, the number one reason why this is such a great fit is not just because of the position of need, but it's like, if the Cowboys have this, the Cowboys can get this elite safety, they have an elite playmaker at every position. Defensive end, DeMarcus Lawrence, linebacker, Leighton Van Der Esch, corner, Byron Jones, safety, Grant Delp. They will have it at every point on defense. Grant Delp, it's versatile. And I talk... and. And a lot of my reports are going to say versatile, but that's because this draft class one is special, especially on the defense side of the ball. I love the 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 best parts of this draft. Quarterback's really good, wide receivers really really good, and the versatile defensive playmakers are insane. Delpit can be a box safety. He can line up in the slot. He can be used to roam that back end. He can be used in the nickel. He can be used as a blitz package. He he's elite in a lot of these categories too he's had his stats don't don't uh, speak for how well he really is on film but he's versatile smart big playmaking IQ he can be a leader in your defense the Cowboys like I said you, like I said you, they want a safety they need a safety Jamal Adams and Grant Delpit aren't a lot like they're not too far apart from skill set wise Jamal Adams obviously by by far, Jamal Adams is way better talent. I mean, Jamal Adams, when he came out, was a top two, three player in his class. Most people had him in the top two or three. And their big boy, Delp, is going to be around the 10 to 15 range. So, obviously, it's different. But Jamal Adams and Grant Delp, same school, same position, same skill set as far as a versatile standpoint. Jamal Adams just does it better. But if I'm the Cowboys here, Grant Delp, if for if for whatever like the Cowboys are going to be in the playoff discussion, especially if they win next week against Minnesota at home, they're going to be in that. And they're obviously the NFC East champs right now, like they're the leader. But the Cow the Eagles are surging back. So either way, they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Now if they lose the division, they'll have the tiebreaker over Minnesota. So there's that. So they're going to be firmly in the playoff hunt. So their picks are going to be somewhere in the twenties. You package a couple picks to move up, Grant Delpit. Woo! That's a good defense. And it's already pretty good defense. Like I said, playmakers at really every position. The the Cowboys, if Delpit is their pick, not only... And this, this is the part that I think is what makes it even more perfect fit more than just position of need and, uh, and player skill set. You take Delpit here. You don't have to pay Jamal Adams. You save money. You have that money to pay Cooper, to pay Prescott, to pay Byron Jones when he's needed, to pay LVE in a few years when he's needed. You're just saving money all around. So that's why it's a perfect fit for me. Uh, my floor point on Delpit will be up in the next couple weeks. He's, so I don't know how, and I meant to do this earlier, but I don't know how... Everyone else scouts, but this is how I scout. I create a list of 100 guys that I want to scout, and I have them in order. So unless Brandon texts me and says, hey, I need to report on this guy by this day, I kind of do free reign on prospects. Number one prospect was Isaiah Simmons. Number two was Diggs. Number three was Burrow, so on and so forth down the list. Derek Brown is next, followed by uh, Henry Ruggs, Lavishka Shinnall, Tyler Johnson, and so on and so forth. So that's how I do my scouting. It's just how it works for me. Grant Delpit is about 15th or 16th on the list, so we're going to get to him. And I do it mostly based on intrigue. It's not necessarily, okay, I want this guy in one because he's going to be the best player. I want to do this guy. It's kind of just me kind of sporadically jumping around like, oh, I've seen him on, you know, against Wisconsin play. Well, I want to scout him, so he moves up. I mean, that's just how it kind of goes. see a little bit, and I kind of want more, and that's kind of how it goes. So, And then I sit down, watch five, six games, break down the film, and then I... Said my report, and you guys again. You guys know how I form my my reports, but it is how it goes. 
Before I get into the mock draft, today on Twitter, and you guys, again, follow me on Twitter, at JoshBerg0611, I posted a Twitter poll and told everyone to send me in their questions. And I got uh, about four or five different responses, which is pretty awesome, considering the lack of followers on my uh, podcast. Twitter, again, go follow my social medias. At JoshBerg0611 is my Twitter account. If you want to follow the podcast, at WNDraftPod. That is W-N, capital D-R-A-F-T, capital P-O-D. It'll be, again, linked in the uh, the details. But I got a couple questions here, a couple from colleagues, a couple from not. We're going to start here with Alex Katzen, at Alex Katzen on Twitter. Do you think a running back, one, deserves to go in the first round, or two, will go in the first round? So the one position group that I feel like we haven't really talked about on the show is running backs. That's because I want to designate like an entire show talking about running backs. Like I said, the, the wheels just keep on turning with ideas for this podcast. I hope you guys are ready. I'm excited for this show to continue to grow and to continue. As I move along, I come up with different ideas and segments that I want to include, but there's only a certain amount of time that I want to I want to have these shows be between 45 minutes and an hour. So there's only, I would rather have three, four segments and me go 15 minutes in each segment as opposed to have seven or eight segments only be able to go three or four minutes in each segment. So that's why some of these position groups are kind of spread out. And you haven't heard me talk about the running backs in depth or the quarterbacks really in depth outside of Burrow last week. You know what I mean? So we're going to get to different position groups. But the Q&A is a great way to talk about prospects that I haven't mentioned or position groups that I haven't talked about that you guys are curious about, teams that I haven't gotten to. There's a lot of teams I haven't talked about that I wanted to. Um, But as far as this question, are there any guys that deserve to go in round one? Yeah, I think there are. There is three guys that can be looked at as first-round running backs. That's DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, and Travis Etienne out of Clemson. If I were to rank them based on the little bit of play that I've seen, and again, I haven't fully scouted them each, so I don't know how the grades are going to turn out. Sometimes when I watch a player in the eye test, they'll pass the eye test. And then when I go in and actually like break them down piece by piece, athleticism, speed, agility, strength, ball carrying, receiving, fumble recovery. I mean, uh, change direction. Like when I start breaking them down, I see these little details that I didn't see just when I'm watching it with a casual mind. So there are, the casual fan side of me loves all three of these guys. But when I get down to breaking down these players, you're going to see me nitpick them on some things um, that I wouldn't have noticed when I was just casually watching, but all three of those guys are deserving of first round grade based on the eye test so far. If I were to rank them on the eye test, number one would be DeAndre Swift, number two would be Travis Etienne, and number three would be Jonathan Taylor. How many do I think will go in the first round? I think DeAndre Swift is the only lock to go in round one so far. He's I think there's a couple different teams that will be intrigued by him. Miami with the trading of Kenyon Drake and Mark Walton's continuance to struggle with the law, I think will be a piece for him to possibly go to Miami. I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor. I just think a lot of teams are going to be scared of the wear and tear on him. And ETN, I think, is a solid top of round two pick. Um, as far as other teams, Kansas City is one that I could see going after running back. Even though Damian Williams busted out that 91-yard run. They're going to need someone as a bell cow back. I think they could rely on Swift and his shiftiness and agileness, I think that'd be really fun in the Andy Reid offense. I'm trying to think here of other teams that could really use it. Houston would be interesting, but they don't have a first-round pick, so that'd be kind of difficult for him to go there. I don't see Swift falling to round three. Um, man, it's really hard to come up with teams on the fly. But yeah, th- those are the two teams for sure. Miami and Kansas City are the two teams that instantly come to mind. Um, and I'll definitely, when I get back to them, if I... Uh, think of any other teams I'll definitely mention them but those are the two teams that I've always consistently seen them mocked with DeAndre Swift or I have personally mocked them with DeAndre Swift so that's those are the two teams I'm going with Mike at Mike Spencer WNS who's the most overrated prospect you've seen so far I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this but it's CJ Henderson out of Florida and the guy and I and I talked about him I think a little bit on the show last week the cornerback class, like I said, out of the, outside of those top four or five, it's very hard 
to differentiate the 6 through 10 or 6 through 11 guys, they're all so close and they're all so unique in their own ways. Um, they're really bundled up close. But these top five guys have considerably separated themselves from the rest, but I think Henderson's far behind the other four, Akuda, Diggs, Fulton, Adebo. I've seen some places that have Henderson as their number one corner, and I just think they're crazy. Henderson has an issue with tackling. He doesn't hit hard. He doesn't He doesn't instigate hits. He doesn't willingly get involved to tackle in the open field, and he constantly can't wrap up tackle in the open field. You look at what made him special his first year starting as a sophomore, I believe, was his ability to create turnovers and be a ball hawk, and he's completely lost that. And I know he was uh, not healthy and you know had some injuries, but he's lost his ability to be special and make plays on the back end. So to me, he's just an average guy. So CJ Henderson probably, I don't want to say I think he's overrated because I still think he's a good player, but as far as where he's being mocked right now, I just don't see what everyone is raving him, especially over guys like Akuda Fulton, Diggs, and Adebo. There's no way. Devin Jackson at real D underscore Jackson. Prospects you think I could rise that could rise to first round status. So every year we have those guys that rise. It's just how it goes. LJ Collier rose in the first round last year. Joshua Garnett, I remember when the Niners took him, rose. These guys I actually think absolutely love. Uh, the first one is Curtis Weaver, edge rusher out of Boise State. I think edge is always such a priority position. There's going to be those guys like the LJ Colliers. Curtis Weaver is a lot like that as far as I think he's going to rise. People are going to absolutely love his intangibles and his way that he's going to perform at the combine. But I actually really like the guy. I think that he's going to be something that teams are going to look at. I think Dallas could take a flyer on him. Baltimore, those are those are guys for sure. Um, Bryce Hall, corner out of Virginia. He kind of struggled this past week, the past two weeks at least for sure. Um, he was like a consensus top five, top six corner, and I was falling into the seven or eight range. But I think that people are going to love the raw traits that he brings. So he's going to rise, I think. And then Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. He's I think his first round lock. He could rise in the top ten. He could have like that Jeffrey Simmons rise until Simmons got hurt. That he he could be that type of special rise in this year's draft. And the final question I was given today. So those are just a, those are a couple guys that I have for sure. Uh Trevor Finnell at the Bank AI Life on Twitter. Which prospect who is more likely bound for a late round sixth seventh round pick has the best chance to surprise everyone and make an impact immediately? This is a good question. It's really hard to kind of answer because we're so early and so young in the process. But the name that instantly comes to mind is Joe Batchy, linebacker from Michigan State. And he's not falling to round six or seven because of his talent. He's a day th- um, you know, third, fourth round talent. But he's going to fall to round five, six, seven because of the PED suspension, ruling him ineligible for the rest of the season. And he was already had shaky tape um, before this season. He had shaky tape that was pushing him towards those lower rounds anyway add the suspension on top of it and he's looking at going to be you know a late round pick but I think he's just such an instinctive player and you watch Michigan State and the way they've performed ever since they lost him they've lost their identity and defense they've lost their ability to communicate make tackles make plays and I think that's all because Joe Batchy was their guy in the middle their linebacker to make plays so I think he's going to be an instant special teamer on any team. I think he's a really perfect fit any team. He'll be a special teamer to start in the preseason. He'll develop make rosters and could be in the starting lineup by year two of his career. So those are uh, the questions I received today. Thank you guys so much for anyone that asked questions. Go ahead and this will be this can be a weekly thing if you guys want. If you guys if I get more engagement I'll definitely start responding on Twitter. I'll have Twitter days where I respond to that stuff. But I do appreciate anyone that um, asked a question. I do appreciate Alex, Mike Devin and Trevor, all colleagues of mine, chipping in. And you guys at home can as well. Again, follow me on Twitter at JoshBurke0611. Getting into the main event, the main reason why I know you guys clicked on the show is to really go over my first top 10 big board. Um, this didn't have a lot of thought put into it. I don't want to say that because that makes me sound like I'm just some guy that doesn't know what he's talking about. But a lot of these guys I have not fully evaluated yet. Um, let me make that clear. Things will change. Overall grades will happen and, you know, skew how things are done. Um, just because I have someone ranked somewhere doesn't mean that in a couple weeks when I fully scout them, I don't like them. 
This is strictly based on the few games and few parts of film that I've been able to dissect closely and look at what I've seen so far. So, number one is Chase Young. Unequivocally, the best player in the draft. I like him more than the Bosa Twins. I like him more than I liked Solomon Thomas. I like him more than I like Jadavian Clowney. This guy's special. Athletic, powerful, monster. He's raw potential that is just ready to be oozing out of this guy to be an all-pro. That's how good this guy is. I truly think he is something special. Number two, and it's really weird for me to have a wide receiver this high, but Jerry Judy is something special. He reminds me a lot of Odell Beckham. He's the best receiver I've seen come out of college since Odell Beckham. He's special. He's a playmaker. He has speed. He's got strength. He's going to be a legit wide receiver one in this league. He is something special. Number three, Jeffrey Akuda, corner out of Ohio State, best cornerback since Jalen Ramsey. He reminds me a lot of Jalen Ramsey, physical ball hawk with insane coverage skills, got fluid hips, ability to change direction, and lock down really any defender, or excuse me, lock down any receiver from any standpoint. He's going to be a lockdown corner in this league. Number four, my favorite prospect in this draft is Isaiah Simmons. He comes in at number four. I've talked about him before on the show and again you guys can look at the report shows how much i love this guy versatile instinctive quick sideline to sideline speed and adjustment skills he is he's a coach's favorite because he's he's a swiss army knife is the best way to describe him because one second you need him to be a box safety the next second you need him to blitz as a linebacker then you need him to be in coverage he does it all he goes around everywhere Isaiah Simmons, number four. Number five is Andrew Thomas. I talked about him on the show before, especially earlier. Powerful, mauler, athletic, untapped potential. I don't like him as much as I like Tunsil. I don't like him as much as I like Stanley, but he's going to be a franchise left tackle. Guy's good player. Number six, the first quarterback comes into the board here, Joe Burrow. Talked about him before on the show as well. Athletic, accurate, pinpoint passer, smart decision-making. Doesn't have the best arm. He doesn't have to have the best arm. He just makes the best play possible. Number seven is someone that really we haven't talked about too much. A.J. Epineza, edge rusher out of Iowa. He's kind of been slipping on draft boards lately. I don't understand why. Big pass rusher. Iowa's known for having good fronts on the defensive side and the offensive side. So you're never going to get a good, disciplined, sound football player with Epineza for sure. And I just think that he's... He kind of is what he is right now. I think he's he's more of a floor play than he is a ceiling play. But that doesn't mean his ceiling is low. I think his ceiling is still Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl caliber player. I just think that if you're looking for upside, you would obviously take Chase Young. You might even take Caleb on Chassion from LSU over him too. But I like high floors. AJ Epineza is the pick there. Number eight, Derek Brown. I had him super low in my mock draft. And then I went in and looked at this guy, and my jaw dropped to the floor. He's going to be a difference maker. hes I'm not saying his ceiling is Aaron Donald, but he can have an Aaron Donald-type impact on the defense. That is how good he can be. Run stuffer. He's got pass block potential. He's just... He's gifted athletically and physically. He's fun to watch. Like If you want fun film to watch, go watch Derek Brown film. Any game, you'll find him get involved. It's it's really fun to watch. I mean, you're just going to put it that. And like I said, I can't really... And I know it sounds really stupid. And I trust me, I'm no stranger to stupid. But I'm not really going in depth as far as traits go because a lot of this stuff is raw stuff that I've seen with the eye test. So until I can get a firm establishment of the type of language to describe the player is kind of all jargon at this point as far instead of pinpoint detail which i know kind of sucks but with it being this early in the process you're going to hear a lot of the scouts say the same thing over and over again athletic versatile powerful strong you know i mean that's just how it goes um but once we get into the player themselves and we get into what makes that player special, then we'll be able to give better language. Coming in at number nine, I like Grant Delpit still. His stats might not be the same, but his film is still so perfect. 
He's he gets lost sometimes, but I think that's more of because LSU uses him in so many different places. It's kind of himself trying to do too many things at once. I think once he gets in his spot, he is one of the best players in this draft. And the number ten, C.D. Lamb, deep threat, big go getter type of guy. You can't throw him up a fifty fifty ball mostly because he just blows by everyone, and you can catch throwing to him in stride. Absolutely insane. And then some guys that I have in my honorable mentions. Tristan Wirfs, Tua Tagaviola. I think it's I think it's Tungaviola. I think it's how you actually pronounce it. Justin Herbert and Dylan Moses. Everyone forgets about Dylan Moses. Don't forget about Dylan Moses. That is today's show. A little bit longer than episode one. I still think that there are some things that I can do. If And if there are some things that... I can do to make this show more enjoyable for you. Go ahead and let me know. I'm like I said, more welcome to criticism, hate, even if you're wrong, <laughs> um, and feedback. We've got a great week of football coming up ahead of us. We've got Penn State, Minnesota, LSU, Alabama, Wisconsin, Iowa. We just had uh, Florida, Georgia line. Just kidding. Country music is bad. Everyone needs to start listening to heavy metal. Um, and then the NFL, we've got, obviously, we've got Dallas, Minnesota. We've got a couple big-name teams coming off crucial losses, like the Patriots and the Packers will be in action. We have got um, Missouri trying to bounce back, taking on Georgia. We've got Oklahoma coming back to action. We've got a lot of great college football and NFL action Coming up this week, my matchup of the week, other than the Vikings-Cowboys game, which is the night game I'll be watching I absolutely as a Vikings fan, but the game to watch that I think would be sneaky good for a lot of people is Panthers-Packers. Watch out. Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I know I'm going to be watching a lot of football this weekend. I hope you guys do too. Again, like I said, give this a five-star review. Even if you hated it, give it a five-star review. Let more people hate on it as much as you guys do, but I hope you guys did enjoy it. Um... Yes, leave your five-star review, comments, and feedback down below. Follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611. Follow the podcast at WNDraftPod. And I will see you guys next week.